Listen, Dad, are mobile suits more important to you than human beings? <sighs> it almost looks like this mobile suit is shaking in terror. It's a mobile suit! Amaro, is that you inside that mobile suit? Let's just see. Let's test the reaction time of your brand new mobile suit. You alone are responsible for the mobile suit now. Is that understood? These are the days when you wish your bed was already made. It's just another mobile suit. Monday. Wish it was Sunday. That's Matt. Tomorrow Ray. I don't have to run It's just another mobile suit. Monday. Amaro Ray Mobile suit In war, to keep the upper hand, you have to think two or three moves ahead of the enemy Hey guys, welcome back to another mobile-rific episode of Fanholes Mobile Suit Mondays Hey, what's up, guys? This is Derek, Derek WC. I'm going to be one of your hosts tonight, but I am not alone. I am on the white base with my fellow crew members. Why don't you guys give a shout-out and let everybody know who's here tonight? Hey, I'm Mike, and why would that girl want revenge on me? <laughs> this is Justin, and I'm going to flee the podcast and live in the desert by myself. I'm a flee. Flee, 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 flee. Awesome. Yeah, so we are here to discuss the 11th episode of the original Mobile Suit Gundam. The episode title is Isolina Loves Remains. The Japanese original air date was on June 16th, 1979. And if you were watching the awesome Ocean Group English dub on the old Cartoon Network, or Adult Swim, or whatever the hell it was airing on, it was released August 6, 2001. And basically, like, when we open up here, we've got, you know, the same traditional intro that sets up the show and the one-year war and all that good stuff. And we've got the title card with the episode title. And in addition to that, we, we kind of get another nice little synopsis of the colony sides as Dozelzabi is returning to side 3, the Principality of Zeon. And along with his sister, Caecilia, they return to Zoom City, the capital of the Principality of Zeon, so they can meet their brother, Girin, and their father, Degwin. Degwin basically suggests they should all pray in a quiet, respectful manner that befits their grief regarding Garma's recent demise. And, I, I mean, this is my own interpretation of the the visuals but we may discuss about this because i think we've already had some some private commentary about the quality of of animation in this episode but my interpretation of it was Garen kind of gives his father some side eye in that scene but i was going to kind of ask you guys like what's your take on that scene you know because i know it's kind of the introduction to you know, the Zabi family as a as an entire unit, you know, somewhat, you know, in general, and then also Giren. And like, do you do you think otherwise? Like, I, I'm just wondering, like, how, what's your take on that? Like, is this is this kind of a, a moment of supplication where they're all quietly praying and he's not, you know, kind of, uh, I guess, having any 
uh, I guess, divergent opinion or thought from from his father? You know, is he closing his eyes in prayer or is he just kind of like, you know, I don't know, to me, I just kind of thought he was giving him almost like a, you know, a side eye where it's like, yeah, yeah, whatever, old geezer, like, I'm going to be in charge soon. So, you know, or, or is it, you know, somewhat of a defiant type of, of moment there? So I just, I was curious, like, what you guys thought of that moment. This is, this is a super important scene because it's like the first time, like, you know, the zombie clan is basically all together in the same room. Right. And I don't know what it is, like, if I it's if it's because like I I grew a little used to like I haven't seen this episode in years maybe I grew a little used to the portrayal of the zombies in the origin series mm, mm. and maybe because I read like you know the origin manga and I read this scene before I don't like I, I don't know like I feel like this scene was pretty like weak at least maybe for the like I watched the English dub and like I, I don't know maybe it was just the ocean group like not giving their best or whatever but it's, I don't know like yeah. and or in a combination of that and like this episode just generally has pretty like dodgy animation it, it seemed like there was there should have been more going on in that scene but it was lacking context or or maybe that's just because we know what's gonna happen and we've had the blanks filled in you know, years later, and we kind of know what's going on in their minds, but it just kind of, yeah, it, it, it seemed lacking, and I, I agree with the animation. Like, the, the whole time I was watching this episode, I was like, this is why we need a further, like, continuation of Gundam the Origin into the series, because, like, they could give it some really nice animation and just expand upon that and maybe you know expend upon Iselina, but maybe we'll talk about her later i don't know like i i feel like no one's grief was like really well i i i don't think garen or Cassilia really have a lot of grief over garma's death but like you know dozel and uh, uh degwin I, I don't know i feel like they they came across as kind of flat at least in the english dub but like i i haven't seen the japanese version in a long time either so maybe they came across a little better there i think i think it depends on on like what dub you're watching too and then i i, I do kind of want to voice i mean I, I know you're saying you're getting used to the the version of them in the the origin and you know i mean i've made no secret i think that Dozel's kind of over the top in that. So it's like, I don't know, it's a fine line. Like, I mean, you know, either either he's going to be that guy that's like, oh no, Garma's dead! You know, and he's like all kind of heightened and over the top. And like, I, I don't think that's what happens in this scene. I, I, I do think it's kind of interesting that, that, you know, at least here in the ocean dub, and I, I think it's true of the, the Japanese language version, you know, it, it, it's a very kind of quiet moment and not a moment of, I don't know, uh, uh, extreme emotion between the four of them. And and I think it's important what you're saying, that, that, that they're all in the same room together and they all have some kind of political sway and stakes. And, and I mean, it, it's still, you know, just because they're family doesn't mean there's not a, a chess game going on in the room at the moment. And the other thing that I thought was interesting is, there, there's not a whole lot to talk about in this episode in regard to the movie trilogy, except for 
this scene because as Mike said of how significant it is to get all the the zombie family in the same room together and and that's why that scene stays in in the movie trilogy and you know I I guess you know maybe I should have written this part down I don't know the actor's name but I really do like the LA movie dub Degwin voice like he just it's one of those things where he's got a voice that's very compelling and and you you get the notion like you could understand why this entire group of people would follow him as a leader because he's got that kind of i don't know there's a certain sense of of charisma to his voice and everything and they change the dialogue just a little bit which and and i guess maybe that's why i i respect that version of degwin a little more like i know you say it's flat in in the the ocean group and in the ocean group i mean they're just kind of talking about let's be quiet and respectful and have a little prayer and and you know basically the the notion that they're going to have a moment of silence but i think in the movie dub like there is that notion that dozel is the most upset of the four of them and that, that holds true to no matter what version of of this story you watch. I mean, to, to Dozel, he was always the big brother to, to Garma's little brother, you know, like, like that he probably had the, the best relation, like, you know, you, you guys have already pointed it out. It's not that like Cecilia and, and Kieran are losing too much sleep over Garma's death, other than the political ramifications and how they can use it to galvanize their war efforts. Whereas I think Dozel's commentary is, I was hoping that that Garma would command me someday. Like like you know, he's reflecting on the lost potential of his younger brother. The fact that you know he, he he's expecting him to walk through the door any moment, and he won't. Like those are all kind of natural feelings that people have. You know when they're mourning, you know, like when they're dealing with grief. And, you know, obviously a few minutes is not enough time to really go into all the stages of grief, but at the very least, Dozel does sort of establish that it, of all the characters other than Degwin, like, he, he does have a significant amount of grief. But what, what I was going to get to with the movie dub, though, is it's interesting they change the line because he says to... Dozel, or in response to Dozel's grief, he says, Garma has left us, accept it, don't dwell on it, put it behind you. And he doesn't say it in a mean way, but he says it in a way that, like, you could imagine a leader of a great nation saying, like, yes, we're going to have a moment, yes, we're going to grieve, but this is also something we're going to have to deal with and and move forward on. And, And, you know, again, just to go back to the differences between the movie trilogy, I mean, you know, the rest of this, this whole subplot of Isolina's revenge and all this other nonsense, like, none of that is in the movie trilogy. They they leave it all out, probably because of the animation quality and also probably because, you know, there, there's some story aspects of it that I think are, are a little hokey. And in the movie universe, you just have to assume Isolina just went and took her revenge out on a tree. Yeah, I guess. I guess she, she went, went and beat up she, another tree. Or she something. she 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 found another tree that looked like Amaro and and smacked <laughs> it around. I don't, yeah, I don't, I'm not exactly sure what what went down there. I mean, I I think maybe when she slapped the tree, she accidentally like you know ran into the tree branch and like 
you know, skewered herself or something probably in that alternate version because it would make about as much sense as what happens at the end of this. But yeah, let, let's get back to the, the the plot. And and meanwhile, basically on Earth, you, we've got Lieutenant Dorota who's showing Isolina to Garma's private headquarters. And Isolina basically demands she be taken on to the Gao when they eventually attack the Federation. And then back on White Base, we still got some of these millennial geezer guys that are hoping to get off the ship at the next stop. And Aren't Mira... these guys gone yet? Yeah, I know, really? Like, like, please? <laughs> like, yeah. But no, they're still here, unfortunately. They're still here. They're, they're causing us no end of grief, and the White Base crew, no end of grief. Mirai, basically, at this point, is warning the crew that there's going to be some turbulence, uh, but that it's nothing to worry about. And, you know, it, that, that's an interesting moment, because, you know, obviously Earth, you know, has, you know, weather, and there's no, you know, artificial gravity and artificial weather like there would be in space-side colonies, so to, to most people, they're kind of, like, taken aback by the very notion of turbulence when they're flying around. It's not anything that they're accustomed to, either having traveled through space or having lived on a, you know, a space colony and stuff like that, so that that's a good little moment there as far as that goes. And basically when the white base ends up seeing three Gows headed towards them, they send out Amuro and Gundam and Ryu in gun cannon, and the two of them manage to jump onto one Gow, and they destroy its gun turrets, and Amuro rips off the Gow's rudder and tosses it towards the other ships. And so one Gow is plummeting into the ground, and then Gundam and gun cannon just leap on to the next gal. And at that point, Char arrives in a Lugan to help out. And when, this is my favorite moment of the episode, I think, when Lieutenant Dorota tells him he was formerly under the command of Garma, Char pulls like this Tommy Lee Jones in The Fugitive, because he's basically like to Dorota, I don't care! You know, so it was like, that was kind of <laughs> awesome. And he advises them to fire on the cockpit of the Gundam while he himself will attack the Trojan horse. And, you know, Char here is thinking that, you know, either, you know, the Zabis are going to see his current actions as revenge for Garma or loyalty to his admiral, which is Dozel. And he's thinking, hey, either case, I'm going to come out smelling like roses. And I was going to ask you guys about this. Like, do you, do you think, like, is Shar going to come out the winner in this? Because, I mean, in the previous scene, the Zabis are already discussing, like, how are we going to punish Shar for getting our, our baby boy killed? So, like, do, do you guys think he's a little overconfident in this scene like that he you know i mean as cool as char is that he, he at least in this moment he, he he seems to either think he's gonna do something so awesome that they'll forget about the fact that they that 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 you know they they can still even though he was it's funny he's directly responsible for their son's death but they don't know that but they're still holding him accountable because supposedly he was supposed to be looking out for Garma this whole time. So I, you know, I don't know. I'm just kind of curious, like what you guys think of that and, and where Shar's head's at versus what the reality of the situation is. I think he's overestimated his own actions and worth, and he's severely underestimated their, their reaction. Like, you know, we can debate, you know, the level of grief the members of the zombie family are displaying, but they're definitely going to, hold him responsible no matter what. So I think he's kind of underestimated them severely in that regard. 
Also, like he's he's attacking the white base and just like that. What is it? A dop? I think like the scout ship or whatever. Like I feel like yeah. I was like, what did what did you expect was gonna happen? Like if the Gundam and the gun cannon are out there, like you can't take them down in that. But I don't know. Maybe he was expecting the Gao to do some damage, but I don't know. Yeah, like I, I don't know. It came off across as like a, you know, sort of the you know. It's a weekly series, so it's like, well, Char has to, like, the main bad guy has to show up, like, and do something, and, you know, it, 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 it as little sense as it made in this situation, it was just like, Char's like, ha like, I am here, I will attack, because I am the bad guy, blah, like. The kind of notion that, like, if they have, like, Darth Vader on, like, every episode of Rebels, it isn't as important, you know, yeah. but if they had spread him out a little bit more, then, then he wouldn't make these kind of blunderous, you know. Basically, Char is getting inquisitored or whatever, right? Like he's got these moments of like, "Oh, I got beat up by the little kid," and they're the band of uh, you know ragtag rebels or whatever. I mean, you know, there, there, he has moments in this, you know, where he's he's still being Char and being cool, but and and I guess in some sense, you know, you you also get moments where, you know, where it, him. I guess being driven off makes some of the white base crew look cool already, but just I guess getting back into the where we left off. So on white base, Bright and Sela get word that there will be no reinforcements coming, and nor will Matilda's ship be able to resupply them. They're merely getting new rendezvous coordinates. Hayato misses firing on Shars Lugan as his safety is on, and that enables Char to get a direct hit on the white base, which sends it plummeting down into the clouds. And at this point, we get the commercial break, the show! Good afternoon, Mr. President. Sorry I've been away so long. I won't let you down again. It's finally here! Coming to the Fire and Water Podcast Network. General? Would you care to step outside? It's Superman 2 Movie Minute. Chris Franklin and Rob Kelly are back to discuss 1980's Superman 2, five minutes at a time. Superman faces his toughest challenge when he squares off against Lex Luthor and three villains from the planet Krypton. Superman 2 Movie Minute, proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Man, this is going to be good. And then we're coming back from the commercial break, and Mirai performs an emergency landing as Bright tells the crew and the passengers to hang on for dear life. Char lands and heads toward the white base on foot, and Bright sends Sela to check on the refugees after the crash. Meanwhile, Gundam and Gun Cannon are fired upon, causing them to leap off the gows. The white base crew manages to quickly patch up the damage to the ship, but Sela tells Bright the refugees are trying to leave the ship without permission. Those damn millennials and their, like, Snapchats and, 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 and FaceTimes and all this other stuff, they need to get off that ship immediately to get back to it. They warn them that the Zeons are going to be out there and they won't be safe, and, of course, true to, to their warning, Char quickly engages and shoots the three refugees that exit, which you kind of feel like that serves them right for being, you know, 
stupid dicks and not listening, but, you know. Did Char know that they were civilian refugees, or did he just assume that the white base was sending out soldiers? I mean, I guess you could argue that, like, because of, uh, you know, the, the desert they were in, and we could see that it was very windy, maybe he thought they were soldiers coming mm, towards mm. him, and he just opened fire, but, like, I was kind of like... When I was watching it, I was like, "Did he know those were civilians, and he, he didn't care, or what?" I mean, they, they weren't they weren't in uniform. I mean, but mm-hmm. but I guess your argument like, is because the desert is is sandy and windy. Maybe at that point, he, he couldn't even see whether they had uniforms or not, so he just fired upon whoever was exiting like, the ship. The anime does make it seem like he just kind of cold bloodedly like guns uh-huh. them down or whatever. But I could I could I and I could be mistaken because I haven't read it in a while. But I could swear in like the origin manga, they like expand on that scene and like he kind of says like visibility is so poor. Like he was like, oh, I thought I was shooting soldiers or something. And like I mm. think there's some kind of it's either in that or the novelization where there's a, like this scene plays out as well, and there's more like elaboration on it. But in the anime, it's just like, hey, some old guys, I'll shoot them. Like, <laughs> stupid old millennials, I'm shooting them. I'm shooting them dead. Yeah, and 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 it, this is the moment I was kind of alluding to earlier because at this point, you know, Bright Kai and Hayato end up chasing Shar away on foot because they are armed with pistols of their own. So it's, yeah, I would think this is kind of a, a fun moment for, you know, Bright to to shine at least because he's kind of leading the charge. And, you know, you, 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 as much as, as Shar is an ace pilot, like, you know, who knows? They're both, like, young, virile guys. Like, maybe Bright could probably hold his own against Shar in a, in a, in a physical fight. You know, who knows? I mean, as long as he's not you know, super new type Char at this point. Like he, he probably could have made a good showing, and and they do chase chase Char away at that point too. Which see that that's the one part of it though. It's like if he thought if he, see if if he thought they were soldiers and just shot them down, why did he run away from the real soldiers with guns? Like. That that I don't know. That just doesn't seem to track to me exactly. It's like it's like he was like, ah, oh, they're defending themselves somehow. <laughs> yeah, I just I yeah I don't know. That 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 seems odd to me. But you know, because I mean, it, you know, I I mean, I'm not the, the 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 storytelling in this. I think is not not top notch. So I'm not I'm I I could understand the reasons why someone you know in a novelization or. or the the origin manga or whatever would like to smooth out the rough edges of this episode i'm not saying like oh you know i'm not one of these guys it's like this is canon like every line every every word you know it's not it's not like i'm like doctor who with fucking history with this episode and you can't change any of it you know like i'm I'm okay with that but i just think like you know at least as far as the way it tracks that doesn't that doesn't exactly seem to hold up with what's on screen as far as that goes and you would think, like, once he got back in his plane or whatever, he could do, like, a bombing run on them or something. But he just kind of, like, you know, cheeses it. Well, yeah, he seems to... Again, like, this goes back to the the notion that, that Char's a little overconfident in his own notion, you know? Like, and, 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 and that moment you said he had with Dren, where it's like... Is 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 Dren again? Kind of giving him the 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 side eye, you know, like where it's like, you know, 
because it's like, well, you might be cool, but I don't know if you're that cool to just, it's almost like Char's like, yeah, I'll just tell them that I got sick. Like while I was hunting down the white base and, and, you know, <laughs> I had a bad cold. That's what Garmo died. They'll understand. I was, I was sick. Like, uh, you know, the, 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 the dog ate my Gundam or the dog ate my mobile suit or whatever, my, 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 uh, Zaku or whatever. And you're just kind of like, eh, I don't, I don't know that they're going to buy that. Sure. He was gonna pull like a Mister Sa- Satan fighting like uh, Sale. He's gonna be like, "Oh my stomach! I can't fight you right now." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I, I was saying to you guys before this episode, like you know when he when he's flying away with Dren, he's like, "Hey Dren, like we'll just say my mobile suit was broken, like a burnt out circuit or something." And Dren gives him this look, and like because the animation is so crappy in this episode, like I cannot legitimately tell you what Dren is like like signaling by this look like because it like i don't know it's just like i, I was just like oh, okay mr child well, like because to I, me like i mean i was i was going with it as like dren thinks that that whole statement is sus right like like he's like are you for real like do you do you think that they're gonna buy your line of bullshit he's like he doesn't even buy it and he's like his right hand dude <laughs> like he's supposed like it's like dude when the yes man gives you side eye like it's it's kind of like <laughs> you got problems then man like if the toady that's like oh yeah sure mr luthor anything you say mr luthor like imagine luthor's like <laughs> imagine luthor's like yeah so I, you know I'm I'm gonna explain to the Legion of Doom that I didn't feel like killing Superman because I had a tummy ache <laughs> and 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 my stomach hurt and and even Otis is like giving Luther like Mr. Luthor I don't I don't know if you can tell Cheetah and Gorilla Grodd that Mr. Luthor I don't I don't know that Otis I, I, I will say I had a stomach he's like he's like I don't, I don't know that Sinestro is gonna buy that Mr. Luthor like and he gives him the side eye like that's kind of how I how I took it you know so. I'm glad. I'm glad you articulated it that way, because now I think of Char and Drenis, <laughs> Luthor, and Otis in that scene. Ah, we'll just uh, tell him I had a stomach ache. Otis, okay, Mister Luthor, whatever like, you say. I'll give you a long arm, Dren. Yeah, yeah. So we we do go back to to Zoom, the capital, and there Garen is determined to have a state funeral for Garma. And Dozel is, of course, as we mentioned, Dozel is jonesing to have Char punished for failing to protect their younger brother. And Degwin says, like, have Char demoted, but doesn't actually give Garen his answer on the state funeral immediately. Like, it's funny, like, like, I I feel like there's a lot to unpack as far as, you know, the Zabi family and, and, and kind of what this means in terms of the series. But, like, it's weird, like, like Degwin in some sense, you you know, like I, I know they, they kinda wanna paint Gearin as say the the Hitler archetype. And I, I don't know like if you're gonna make if you're gonna make historical I guess analogies to, to real world historical figures. I don't exactly know who Degwin Zabi would represent, but it, it's funny how like you, you kind of get the notion, even as many bad things as he is, you know, responsible for, you, you do get this feeling that he's just this tired old man, like where he's, he, it's like, he, he, if he was so 
vengeful and vindictive, you'd think, oh yeah, have Char's balls cut off and feed him to the fucking dogs or what? Like if he was that type of guy, you'd think he just would would have like the worst of the worst possible thing you can imagine done to Char for killing his little boy or whatever, or getting his little boy killed or however you know however they want to spin it, the Zabi family. But it seems like. I mean, even in terms of the punishment, like, you think, like, because it seems like Dozel would be like that. He'd be like, yeah, you know, fucking A, let's, let's, you know, put his balls in a noose and, 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 and you know, whip him with, like, 50 lashes and, and you know, what, whatever we can do, let's do it. And and Degwin is just kind of like, oh, just, you know, demote him, like, you know, give him a demotion, like, send him away, like, like he's going to be punished, like. That, but that's all we need to do like and it's like it's like i don't know if that's just because he is a it, it's like there's that aspect to him where it seems like he's world weary but also there's that aspect where he's got like wisdom with age because i mean he's got to know this dude like even though he fucked up this time this dude took out like you know four battleships and is like clearly an asset to their war effort as well so it's like it's like he he seems to have like all the the politics balanced out without trying you know like you know how most people are like should I do this should I do that and it's like well in this case like he's not going to piss off anybody who thinks Char's like a great Zeon hero and and it's not like you know he's burning too many bridges but then at the same time he's also acknowledging like yes we will punish him you know like so I I don't know. I, I find that kind of interesting. And then, and then you know, the, the only other comparison that I'll, I'll constantly bring up probably when we talk about this show is, I mean, the, the fact that we're seeing the zombies, like, in this kind of mundane, day-to-day political environment in their, in their home city, like, it does really bring a, like, an all-quiet-on-the-Western front kind of aspect to the Gundam narrative, that, that notion that you're... You know, you, it, it's not just that Amuro and the Federation and the crew of White Base are the good guys, and and Char and the Zeon are just a bunch of faceless, nameless, you know, gas mask Nazi bad guys, and that's the end of the story. It's like it's like clearly these are characters with hopes and dreams and lives and families and 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 all kinds of stuff as well, and and their own you know sense of of nationalism and 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 royal responsibility and and anything that that entails so i i I do feel like there's an aspect of you know that that's always existed in gundam where you don't you don't dehumanize the the two warring factions they 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 each have their own sense of humanity which you know makes it uh i i think a, a more balanced and interesting way to tell the story uh you want to move on to like the ending of the battle yeah, or, yeah. so like, so at this uh, point amuro attacks the gal with the beam javelin and the other gal nearly whittles down his shield uh hayato covers amuro and he ends up destroying the second gal and isalina takes the last gal on a collision course with amuro and the gundam after lieutenant dorota basically gets nailed in the arm and can't steer the wheel the gal then crashes and it knocks the gundam to the ground with gundam damaged amuro exits his mobile suit to enact repairs and isalina wakes up from the crash and takes dorota's pistol to kill amuro it looks like poor dorota has been you know 
he, he's no longer with us. And Isolina then is about to shoot Amuro and enact her vengeance. And I, I mean, I, I, I'm just going to say this, but I don't, I don't know that the animation really sells this or that I buy it. But Isolina slips before she can get her shot off and falls to her death, leaving Amuro wondering who she was and why she wanted vengeance on him. And the episode ends with Kai... Hayato, Ryu, and Amuro burying Isolina in an unmarked grave. And then, of course, we get the next episode title tag, The Thread of Zeon, Who Will Survive? So, like, I don't know, man. Like, I just think, I just think this, this whole setup is, like, piss poor. I'm like, I'm like, dude, it's like, it's like she Gwen Stacy'd herself. Like, how do you, how do you Gwen Stacy yourself? Like, it's like, it's like, imagine, like, you know, that the, it's the, the penultimate, you know, it's, it's, it's Amazing Spider-Man 121, but there's no Green Goblin. It's just Gwen Stacy's, like, tripping balls like Carrie Osborne was in those issues without the comics code. And she just goes up to the Brooklyn Bridge and is like, hey, Pete, look at me, look at up. And then, you know, and then that's it, right? Like, and, and I, I, I don't know, like, I, I feel like, I, 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 I'm not exactly sure what to blame it on, but like, is it, is it the execution? Is it the animation? Is it that the storyboards were crappy? Like, I, I don't think it's like, I don't even, it, it, it's, it's such a hard moment to register. It's like, she's got him dead to rights, even though she's like really far away. I mean, hopefully she's like a super good shot because she's been practicing on fucking trees this whole time or whatever. Right. But like you, you'd think like Amaro can kind of hear her. So she can't be that far away. And, and you know, it's like, Oh, well it's like, Oh, you're fucked dude. Like, you, you know, and, and it's like, I don't know, maybe they should have brought back that, um, that pigeon or the seagull or whatever. And that's what tripped her. I don't know. But anyway, like it's just kind of a, a weird moment where it's like, she's about to shoot him. And then all of a sudden it's like, Whoa, you know, like, like fucking three stooges. I want to say you know? like the way I took it was that she was hurt from the crash and she just like kind of fainted mm, before she could get okay. the shot off. Okay. But that's okay. what I thought too. Like you said, yeah. she slipped. I just thought she fainted because she had like the sweat beads all over her face, and I was like, oh, she fainted. Okay, and then she just falls and breaks her neck, and I was like, oh, okay. I, I don't remember this at all. But so, okay. so I guess the notion is like maybe she was concussed when the crash happened, and then she kind of snaps out of it and is all super determined. But it's like she kind of drags her ass up to the top, but then even after that, like she. She can't. It's like it's almost like she fainted and killed herself by fainting or so, something like that, right? Like that's kind of. It's 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 funny you said like it was like Gwen Stacy dying because I was kind of thinking that, but then I was kind of like it'd be if Gwen Stacy died and Spider Man's response was like, "Who was that crazy <laughs> bitch?" Like <laughs> it's uh it's uh the uh, Fox Kids uh, Spider Man. <laughs> that's 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 what that would have been. Speaking of, like, that or censorship, like, I remember, like, the Toonami version of this scene. Like, they never show Isolina hitting the ground or, and like, they show them digging the grave, but they never show her body in it. So, like, I, I remember that pretty clearly because when I watched this episode, I was like, oh, right. Like, because I, I was like, oh, right, they do show her body, like, in the uncut version. Like, because on Toonami, they never showed her body. Hmm. I guess because, yeah, because of the time it was shown at. I know what I think. I If I could remember correctly, they just kept a shot of Amaro's face looking all shocked, and then they added in, like, the thump 
sound effect or whatever, so you like knew she hit the ground or whatever, and that was it. I mean, th- this is confusing enough when you see it, so I can't imagine how it would be registered if you if you didn't see her fall over. But yeah, I think the whole like Iselina subplot, whatever it is, is like really poorly executed. Like, did did we really need to see her in a follow up story where she? tries to get revenge and fails like i could have done without seeing her ever again but i guess i guess that goes to like have further effect on amuro like that's just uh, just one more thing that he has to deal with psychologically so i i get that but i think i don't know i just think the whole isolina thing was just poorly executed and written yeah like, my imagination. It's it's easy to see why that this was cut from the movies because it is kind of just filler. Like, what do we know about Iselina? Like, yeah. she loved Garma. That's it. Like, nothing else. Well, like, but she's... I mean, I mean, I think there's an interesting notion that that her her father probably was the the mayor of New York, or if you go by the I think what the origin manga, maybe it's Los Angeles or wherever the fuck it is. But the the notion is she, her father was the mayor in North America. So conceivably he had Federation ties. So, I mean, there is this aspect that the, of what we know of Isolina and Garma's romance, which we discussed probably in detail before, but that, that it's this very star crossed thing of a, a, a Federation woman that's in love with, with a, a Zeon prince. And and it's kind of extremely odd that the Zeon military, even if it is Lieutenant Dorota and he seems to be, you know, caught up with Isolina's beauty, it's like, well, I mean, wh- why would you let a civilian come with you? Why would you let a civilian on the bridge? Like, why? I don't know. It's just all this stuff like seems really hokey in a quote-unquote real robot anime genre where they're at least trying to give you the illusion of of a military code and structure where this this little divergence like just doesn't seem applicable at all you know it's like and it's like dude what what did Isolina like it's like dude okay you can think she's pretty and everything but dude like you'd think like she'd have to do way more than that to get Lieutenant Dorota to like risk his whole military career over it. Like what, I mean, I, I don't know. It's just, it's like, he seems like young and stupid, but it's like, you'd think there'd have to be the promise of something, you know, like, like either he thought that they were going to succeed and it was really confident in it, that that would, that would help him get revenge for his former commander and maybe he'd get promoted or, you know, just the, the whole physical aspect of it. He thinks he's Selena's pretty and she's going to give him a handy and they're going to go kill Amaro, <laughs> you know, like just something, but it doesn't, it doesn't seem like there's the promise of any of that. So it, it just, it, the, the whole notion of it seems like super ridiculous to me. It's like, it's like, and, and the funny part is even after all that, it's like they try to paint it as, as Isolina's, story and if if somebody like Isolina had that much strength and conviction to see through vengeance on Amaro like why would she let herself get slapped around by her dad and like do all that other stuff in 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 the beginning of the story you know what i mean like it i don't know those two those two notions seem to be in conflict like she seems to be a kept daughter in her initial appearance and then what just cuz Garma died now all of a sudden like not only is she not kept and has this this 
extreme willpower and to the point where she she basically ends up killing herself but like i i don't know it just it the whole thing seems a little problematic to me you think like this could be a springboard for like doing something with her dad eventually yeah like who yeah. is a prominent politician and could like advance the plot but like you know this is the last we ever hear i mean, of them, I mean so. you, you would think at this point after, after all that wh- whatever his feelings were towards his relationship with his daughter i mean certainly that would you would think the events of this i don't know like it depends on what kind of word gets back but to me i mean you could play the story in such a way that he becomes more federation friendly because the zeon basically took her on a you know, a military mission, which they shouldn't have done, right? Or you could play it as, oh, well, you know, I don't like those white-based guys because they let my daughter fall to her death, and it's like, I hate you, Spider-Man, like like one of those type of scenarios where, where they, they meet up with him and he won't, like, resupply the white base because he holds a grudge or some shit, you know? Like, But, yeah, n- none of that is happens or is followed up on or anything. What do you guys think of the Gundam Javelin? This is this is the debut of the Gundam Javelin. I mean, it fucking creates a nuclear goddamn explosion. I mean, it's pretty <laughs> damn useful. I mean, there's that. I always like before I had seen this episode, I had always assumed that Amaro like the Gundam like combined its beam sabers to make the Javelin, but like I guess he can just make one from either beam saber. But I do, it's always, it is always a welcome accessory to any RX-78 toy, basically. Yeah. And I guess, I guess, I don't like, I know the Gundam Hammer wasn't in the movies, but I want, I don't remember if the Javelin, like, survived, like, the cuts. Like, I wonder if Tamino thought it was, like, another, like, toyetic thing he could get rid of or I mean, something. I guess I could try to keep an eye out for it in the future, but since this episode was largely excised, I can at least verify that this this moment in this episode with the Gundam Javelin where he, you know, slices that gow up and it basically has a nuclear explosion in the middle of the sky, like, that, that is not in the, the first uh, film in the movie trilogy at all. So, so I can at least confirm that there was no Gundam Javelin in, in you know, this you know, I don't know, an hour, yeah. hour and 40 minutes into the movie. I'm like, I'm fairly certain he uses it again in the future, yeah, but yeah. like, I don't know when or how. So, yeah. You know, speaking of toys, I, I thought it was interesting because I was trying to, I, I, I know you were saying like, what do we know about Isolina? And I was just trying to look up like, what do other people think about this episode? Like, what do, do people have thoughts about it? Are there like screwball Isolina memes that I don't know about? You know, and there, there were some horrible memes where it was like, you know, get in the kitchen and you know her dad slapping her around and all this other stuff but i was kind of <laughs> like i was kind of like well what what do we know about isolina and then one thing that i learned was there are these 120th scale like character models of a lot of the original series gundam characters and interestingly enough one of them is yeah snoopy hates her um <laughs> Interestingly enough, one of these these is uh, Isolina, which I thought was surprising. I was like, did, yeah, did people weird. were people clamoring for an Isolina model? Like, was that something that was a a hot seller? Like, I I just I don't know. I was kind of bad because it's like some of it makes sense to me. I'm kind of like, oh, if you had a if you had a Sharv model or if you had a, a Amaro model or even I I think one of them that they had from that line was um was a Lala 
model. And I was like, I, I could see, you know, these are all important, you know, characters that, that, you know, had an impact or whatever, but, you know, kind of like what you guys are saying. I mean, she's in two episodes and she gets, it's like, it's like her in her blue dress from the, the party or whatever. And I was just kind of like, that's kind of weird, you know? One, one meme or gif I see like every so often is that shot of bright, like somersaulting out of his chair. Like when the ship gets like crashes or whatever, like, I, I don't know, like, you know, he does like a front flip out <laughs> of his chair. And like, I remember in some YouTube video, like they dubbed in like Guile's flash kick, like when he <laughs> like, did that. So it's like he flipped out of his chair and went somersault. Like, Hey, didn't uh, I, I, that's what I wanted to ask you, Derek? Didn't we already discuss a scene where like Bright snatches something from Sayla and she looks all like mad about it, or was that in a like? Did they add that in the movie and like at an earlier point? I, or, think, I, I feel like we discussed I think that. So, right? Yeah, because because he does it in this episode yeah, too. Yeah, because I, I well, it's like I think they're always like like Sayla's kind of like the Uhura of White Base. Like she's always getting these print out communiques about things so we may be conflating things but i mean for sure there were there there th that's why i try to like you know i i'll i'll sort of scan the the movie you know for like extra you know time even if it doesn't line up precisely because especially with the 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 fights with with garma and and some of this other stuff sometimes there are moments that are shown a little out of quote-unquote sequence with the original series so but yeah I, i'm pretty sure there were there were certainly moments that were put into the film where you know bright is you know taking those communiques from sayla and 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 the, the notion that you know matilda is not going to be able to resupply them and stuff like that that's funny i like the last scene where they're like burying isalina and, like, I don't think Kai says anything in this entire episode, but he's, like, the first one to start, like, shoveling dirt on her. Like, well, we can't do anything about it. Let, let's stop agonizing about it. Like, so, yeah. like, I, th I thought that was, like, a nice character moment that didn't involve him actually talking or whatever. Yeah, yeah, it does It does seem like it, it'd be in character for him to to be the first to, to kind of break the moment and say, let's get on with this stuff and, and no more hemming and hawing over it you know let's let's bury the bitch and get the hell out of here you know for some reason it made me think of like a moment from the daniel craig bond movies where he's like uh mission's over the bitch is dead and he just kind of walks yeah, away yeah 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 <laughs> the, the, the name of this episode always amused me because it sounds like a bad like romance novel or something Isalina loves remains like, that, that, something. That, that's something that we need to have commissioned get one of those like yeah. romance novels where it's like fabio on the cover but instead it's like it's like <laughs> it's a like shirt garma it's like a, it's like a shirtless garma with like uh, a bosoming Isalina or whatever i think justin hit the nail on the head when he said like the only worth in this episode is like other than like the zombie scenes it's like the only worth is like adding like another like something onto Amaro's like overburdened like consciousness uh, conscience you know just adding to his like ptsd or whatever so Got, gotta have some reason to have them pupilless eyes in the coming episodes right <laughs> yeah those uh, those brand Stark eyes. Yes, like, yes. It's like I have to go now. Yeah, Amro Amro has to go. He's got to go get popcorn for the movies or whatever the hell Brand is doing. 
All right. Well, I, I think that wraps things up for this episode, Mobile Suit Mondays. If you've enjoyed listening to Mobile Suit Mondays, we appreciate you. We're glad that you do. And you can email us at fanholespodcast at gmail.com if you have any comments, questions, and or concerns. The backlog of our episodes can be found at fanholespodcast.blogspot.com. And in addition to Mobile Suit Mondays, we have all kinds of spinoff shows. We've got Toku Thursdays, Transformers 2. Tuesdays, Sentai Saturdays, we've got Big in Japan, where we talk about anime, we've got Comics Motherfucker, Do You Read Them, where we talk about comics, we've got Justice, not entirely dissimilar to Lightning, a Thunderbolts podcast, and we've got the Fanholes podcast proper, so if you enjoyed listening to Mobile Suit Mondays, we hope you uh, consider checking out all the other shows on the network. And we can be found on all kinds of social media. I know some of the reasons why we're we're recording this now is we've we've heard some things, some 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 rumblings from folks on social media asking when the next Mobile Suit Mondays is, is was going to be. So we decided to record one uh, this weekend. And you can find us on Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We appreciate all the likes, shares, hearts, retweets, etc. And until the next time, this is going to be Derek, Derek WC. Uh, I'm fainting, not slipping off a banana peel and signing off. Hey, it's Mike. I'm a refugee and I'm too dumb to live. <laughs> I'm gonna, you're like, Mike, come back. And I'm like running away from the podcast and then I get shot by Char. Mike's, Mike's got to watch all those unboxing videos. He sees me if he's not <laughs> My unboxing videos, my Minecraft gameplay. Oh. And Bright's like, man, these freaking refugees <laughs> like, are like lemmings. Like, <laughs> I don't know what's in this surprise box. Oh, look, it's Char with a pistol at my head. <laughs> and this is Justin signing off. Zig Zion. Zig Zion. I was like, this is like shooting senior citizens in a bar. <laughs> uh, uh, oh, Commander Cha, you so cool. <laughs> I don't know, Mr. Luto. I don't know about shooting them senior citizens. I don't know if you could explain that to Gorilla Grodd and Sinestro. Uh, did you see the way I shot those old people? <laughs> uh, to char the white base is really just a pinata full of old people. <laughs> Man, I keep hitting it, and more of them keep coming out. <laughs> like Sarah, I'd like I don't remember, but I, I, I there's, there's gotta we've gotta be ending the like la reaching the last of the refugees, right? Like I feel like the last like three or four episodes have had like can we just more can we refugees just, that we haven't seen before? Can we just have like an actual party? We'll just record ourselves having a party and not not record an episode when that happens we'll just you know get a cake <laughs> and
some, we dumped off the last candles. Of Thank God. I have some some milkshakes, some root beer floats, like whatever. You know, when we're out trolling, I'm like, hey, Justin, like, you know, if I forgot to say something, we'll just say it was a broken circuit or something. <laughs> I'll look at you be like, Nani? <laughs> like, Dude, I can't. You, the you, animation was. It's like, we, we totally had this podcast nailed. Whichever way we go, the Internet will love us or, or forgive us for whatever we do. <laughs> In the meantime, the Internet's like, get ready to punish these fuckers for releasing that show. <laughs> that's like, what? That's, that's it. The, the animation is like so dodgy in this episode. I'm like, what yeah. is that look Dren is giving him? Like, yeah. Yeah. like, oh, okay, Mr. Cha. Like, okay. <laughs> 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 <laughs>